Welcome to Fortress of Faith with Tom Wallace, calling North America to repentance and revival. Welcome back to the Corner of Truth and Courage. I've been preaching at our church, Victory Baptist Church in Hickory, North Carolina, a series lessons on uh, lessons for us from Exodus. We've been kind of kind of following the story of the children of Israel coming out of bondage, how God sent a deliverer. They prayed to God to deliver them. God heard their prayers, prepared a man, Moses, through a lot of development in his life, 40 years in the backside of the wilderness there in Midian. God prepared him and then called him to go back to Pharaoh to let his people go. Yesterday, we got to the crossing of the Red Sea. I'm not going to get into all the details of where they crossed, but they didn't cross in the Suez. We now have evidence. We now know where the children of Israel crossed that Red Sea. It was over in the Aquaba, around an area called Nueva Beach. We found the chariot remnants in the water down there. There's a natural land bridge that there where God divided the water and they crossed over. There's nowhere else they could have crossed. It would have been a mile drop, a mile across and a mile climb back up anywhere in the Red Sea, except for in this one particular area, a natural land bridge that they walked across over to the other side when God parted the water for them. There's a passage there in Exodus chapter 14, verse 13. And Moses said unto the people, Fear ye not, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he shall show you today. For the Egyptians whom ye have seen today, ye shall see them again no more forever. These are the people that brought them bondage. These were the ones who brought them turmoil and agony, and they cried out to God for deliverance. Egypt has always been a picture of sin, and I'm here to tell you that even when we start to leave it, they're going to come after us. Uh, If you try to serve the Lord, be assured of this. The devil's going to try to pull you back. Uh, Pharaoh said, what in the world did we do? These people left with a high hand. They took all our stuff. They, They spoiled us there. And they're entangled in the desert there. They're down in this area here. Uh, they got nowhere to go. They are cut off. And he saw his opportunity to go after them and to bring them back. Now imagine if you were part of the children of Israel at that time. You can't go back. You can't, you know, you can't go to the left or the right. You're in this canyon. Pharaoh's army is on your heels. The only thing ahead of you is the beach and a big body of water. On September 2nd, 1939, the British, along with the French and Belgians, declared war on Hitler. Neville Chamberlain was the Prime Minister of England at that time. He had failed to see the growing problems going on in Germany. He kept sweeping it it under the rug, appeasing. That's the problem with appeasers. You only give the bullies an opportunity to get stronger. And Neville Chamberlain messed up. Now they have to fight. So he designates 10% of his army to the BEF, the British Expeditionary Force, and he sends them over into Europe, led by General Lord Gort, who commanded the 390,000 
force of British soldiers to tag along with the Belgians and French to keep Hitler out of these countries. From September, May, uh, from September to May the 10th, minor clashes had occurred, uh, at, but the Germans were building up at the border with their troops. However, on the 10th of May, the Germans broke through the Allied lines and blitzed their way through Belgium. Eleven days later, the Belgians surrendered, and the only ones standing to fight were the BEF, the British, the French, and a few Dutch, but they were trapped. They couldn't go anywhere. They were flanked. The only way out was the Dunkirk port. Fifteen days earlier, the British finally got rid of their poor leader, Neville Chamberlain, and installed the man that had been warning them for almost a decade, Winston Churchill. And he became prime minister, and his first act was to call a retreat, else lose close to 400,000 of their soldiers. He would have been facing the largest slaughter of British troops in the nation's history. On the 26th of May, he called for Operation Dynamo. His troops were at the beach. The rest of the Allies were there, and they had nowhere else to go. A retreat was ordered. Nearly 400 souls were trapped at the British Channel, waiting for the vessels to come and save their souls. The next morning at dawn, the largest rescue had come. Salvation was on the horizon. 39 British warships, four Canadian warships, three French. Then a flotilla of British merchant ships, fishing vessels, lifeboats, pleasure yachts, 850, over 850 private British vessels came to the rescue and saved over the next few days 380,000 souls so that they could fight another day. Now, if you were standing on the beach there at Nueva, there at the Red Sea, and Pharaoh's behind you, and you're looking for deliverance, you're looking for some way to deliver you, you're trapped, you're in peril. And what does Moses say? Stand still, fear not, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord. You need to realize that God purposely led them there. Moses didn't lead them to this spot. The Bible tells us that that God could have led them north through the Philistines into the land of promise of the Canaanites there. That would have been quicker, the Bible says. But if they got there, they wouldn't be ready to fight. They wouldn't be ready for what was ahead of them. Therefore, God sent them into the wilderness for a purpose, for them to learn how to trust God. I'm here to tell you God still works the same way. He usually brings us to the point where we come to the end of ourselves. Because when you come to the end of yourself, that's when you find the beginning of God. And we're not going to read all of Exodus chapter 14. But there's some tremendous things that happened in that chapter. How God opened up the waters and how the Egyptians came in after them. And the Bible says that, that God took off the chariot wheels, and then God covered them with the Red Sea. I want to apply this message to those of you out there who don't know God yet as your Savior. I want you to understand that there's a need for you to see the salvation of the Lord. 
I pray that Revelation 3.18 would come true to you where the Bible says, anoint your eyes with eye soul that you may see. You need to understand that you are in a spiritual fight. And if you are not a believer in Jesus Christ, you're in peril. You're trapped in your sin. Romans chapter 20, verse 15, you need to understand this is going to be your future if you are not a believer in Christ. And Christian, if you have a loved one who's not a genuine believer, they haven't accepted Christ yet to be the Savior of their soul, you need to realize they're in peril. Bible says, Revelation chapter 20, verse 15, and whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. You need to realize that the lost are condemned to an eternity of God's judgment and wrath. John chapter 3, verse 19, and this is the condemnation, that light has come to the world, but men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. God has given a way of light, a way for them to escape judgment. But they didn't want to go that way. They'd rather stay in their darkness. Therefore, they have been condemned. Romans chapter 5, verse 12 says, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, so death passed upon all men, for all have sinned. It began in the garden, and because of Adam's sin, his willful disobedience, the curse of sin has been passed on to every man that and man and woman who's come into this world. And I'm here to tell you, hell is a real place, and it is a place of torments. Jesus spoke so much about hell, and we have stopped talking about it. We need to start getting back to what is the real problem in the future for those who reject Christ. In Luke chapter 16, the Lord gave us a very good picture of what goes on in hell. Now, some have tried to suggest that this was not a real story. This is just one of the parables. No, Jesus used a proper name. He never did that in any of his parables. This is a real event. Lazarus and the rich man both die. One goes to heaven. The other goes to hell. The rich man calls and asks, please send Lazarus to come just to dip his finger in water and to put a little droplet of that water on my tongue to cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. I shared with you a testimony of Kim Fook. She was that nine-year-old girl. You've seen her picture, no doubt. When the, the Americans were fighting there in Vietnam, they used napalm. Now, the Viet Cong had moved into her village three days earlier, and the Americans were after them. But, but an accident occurred when they sent in their planes, and they accidentally dropped four napalm bombs on her village. She was hiding with the other children in the Kaldai Temple. But when those bombs dropped and that napalm, it's a sticky substance, and it burns at 5,000 degrees. Water boils at only 212. Can you imagine 5,000 degrees? Well, that, those flames erupted there in her village and evaporated her clothes. She was running down the road yelling, Nong Kuei, Nong Kuei, meaning too hot, too hot. Boy, she suffered. I'm here to tell you that's nothing. Though, even though it, stand, it stood for three months, her pain, she was in these burn baths, undescribable agony as she tells her story. Endured 17 operations, but I'm here to tell you that was only for a moment. The burning in hell will go on and on and on. There's a guy on the internet called Coyote Peterson. You might have seen some of his silly stuff, stupid stuff he does. 
he'll take a tarantula or venomous snake or killer bees or, you know, uh, some insect that's known to bring powerful pain by their bites and their they in, as they inject their venom into the skin there. He does this all the time. And he, if you could just extract the most intense pain and concentrate it from one of these insects or or, or snakes and, and concentrate it to a thousand times more painful than what the animal could give and put that as an injection in someone, it would be like a flea bite compared to the agony of what hell is going to be like. It will be punishment without pity, misery without mercy, sorrow without succor, crying without comfort, torment without ease, and the sinner can look for no relief from God. But I'm here to tell you God has a rescue plan. From the very beginning, made a blood sacrifice available. And it was all pointing to, in the Old Testament, pointing to the death of someone innocent, something innocent, shedding its blood, for the forgiveness of sin and atonement. And it all pictured that Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, who would lay down his life. Romans chapter 5, verse 18. Therefore, as by the offense of one man, judgment came upon all to condemnation, even so by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men unto justification. Jesus has made the blood atonement to pay for your sin. If you want to see the salvation of the Lord, look to the cross of Calvary, where God has provided salvation for all mankind. Would you trust in him today? He's paid the price for your sin. Accept it today and become a believer in Jesus Christ. That's going to be it for today. Join us again tomorrow at the corner of Truth and Courage. God bless you.